Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Welcome to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. Tonight I interviewed a, cute, a really cool guy named Daniel Leschweski. I probably still did not say his last name correctly. But uh, we talked a lot about uh, obstacle strategy and uh, training. And uh, we talked about his uh, business he does where he uh, takes up finisher shirts or any kind of shirt and he'll cut different things off of them and sew them onto hats and hooded sweatshirts and you name it. Um, and you can look that up on 37s.com or on his Facebook, 37s uh, Custom Apparel, or you can just look him up on Facebook. But uh, it's kind of a long interview, but uh, it's very good, and uh, I'll just go right into it. Hey, what's up, everybody? I got Daniel Leschwiski on the phone, and I probably just totally butchered that, but uh, you, you do what you can. So uh, Daniel's been doing OCRs for uh, quite a few years now, and he's also got a really cool business called 37's Customs. And uh, Daniel, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself today? All right, so yeah, um... Funny, funny little story. We actually went over my name about three times, and he did still butcher it. But it's, I uh, did. It's, I did. <laughs> it's Daniel Lashevsky, um, or Danny. A lot of people know me as. Um, so yeah, I started uh, doing OCRs back in 2013. Uh, I've always been a runner. I had done uh, cross country and track back in high school, and I uh, I joined the Marines after high school, and I was you know still running and things like that, and. Uh, did my first marathon at the end of 2012 and then decided, oh, hey, I'll try out this Spartan thing. So I did a Spartan and I got hooked. And, uh, yeah, I've been, been doing the OCRs for almost four years now. And uh, as far as the custom stuff, I uh, I started sewing a few months before my first Spartan night. What, and what and what what led you to get into starting sewing and everything? Was it just, hey, hey I want to start doing this one day or... <laughs> Growing up, my mom, my mom was a quilter, and uh, Mine too. we weren't we weren't we weren't very well off. We were we were rather poor, and so you know she knew she taught herself how to sew. And when our clothes didn't fit anymore, she would she would make blankets out of them. You know we didn't want to waste anything. So I always thought it was a pretty cool skill, but I never really you know took the uh, the effort to learn. I always just like, hey, can you fix this? So um, so. Early 2013, I uh, I had taken my jeans, my favorite pair of jeans, my mom, so many times that she finally was like, "I'm just gonna teach you how to do this yourself." So she uh, she sat me down at the sewing machine and gave me a quick tutorial, and I was like, "Man, this is all." Awesome. I kind of have an addictive personality, right? So, uh, I was like, "I want I want to sew now," and so I went out and bought a sewing machine and bought some fabric, and I just started making pillowcases. Cause she said that's the easiest way to learn, and. Uh, so I started making pillowcases, and uh, I did that all through 2013 until I had ran a few Spartans, and I had these shirts. You know, you start to build up all these finisher shirts, oh, yeah. shirts you buy, you know, for the venues and stuff, and it gave me the idea to cut them up and sew them onto a video. And let me tell everybody, you know, that's listening, Daniel is a wizard with this sewing machine. If you go to his Facebook page or his website at 37s.com or 37s Custom Apparel on Facebook, you will see just some of the the coolest hooded sweatshirts where he's cut out, you know, Spartan shirts, Tough Mudder shirts, Battle Frog shirts, and just, and just sewed them different parts of the shirts, like onto the sleeve and onto the hooded part, and it'll even match the stitching you know, color code, all that too, and it's really awesome. Everybody really needs to check it out. 
thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I try to, you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, you know, I know how to sew, and I don't think that sewing is that difficult. You know, I mean, you could take your stuff to any alteration shop and ask them to sew patches on your hoodie, or you could take them some shirts, and they'd probably figure out how to sew it on there. But I think that, that what sets my stuff apart is, like you were saying, it's just kind of the designs and the, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is because OCR is my passion, so so I understand, you know, what the different shirts mean and what the different races are. And, you know, if you took it to someone at an alteration shop, they're not going to know that the Beast is the hard one and the Sprint is the easy one or that the BFX was, like, Battle Frog's hardest thing. Like, they're not going to understand what goes together and what complements different things. So I think that that's a lot of what people like is that I understand when they send me a pile of shirts, I know what the good stuff is and I know what's really going to stand out in the crowd. Yeah, and if you took it to just an alteration shop, they would totally just uniform it, you know. And you kind of put it like, you know, all these weird angles that you wouldn't expect something to be on a hooded sweatshirt, and it looks really cool. And the way you do that cross stitching across it, you know, that's just it's really oh. neat, really neat. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember when I made mine, the first one in my head, because you know, I had never really seen anything yet. I hadn't made any. I kind of had a vision of kind of like kind of like punk or skater where it's like nothing is is perfectly level or centered it's everything's kind of like when you see stuff like dc shoes like it's always at an angle or yeah really big and like you know i just I didn't want it to look all neat and proper and perfect because in ocr you know you're getting muddy you're getting bloody like it's it's not perfect and pretty and neat it's, it's very messy so i felt like the hoodies should kind of fall in line with with yeah, and, and it's really cool because, you know, anytime you go to a Spartan race and it's cold, you'll always see somebody that's got a custom hoodie where they got might have just a whole crap load of patches on it for the different Spartan races and everything. So it's a really cool thing, and everybody really needs to check it out. He also does, like, stocking caps and hats that are really cool. I think I bought one of your stocking caps from you at one race one time. Yeah, I think that might have been the time that we met uh, back at, uh, North Carolina or something a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think I'd message you a couple of times and just talk to you on Facebook. But the the real actual time that I didn't I never talked to Daniel, but it was my second Spartan race and it was in Charlotte and um it was like a two thirty open heat and uh I just remember seeing Daniel up in the front of the box and all he had on was these really, really short shorts and he looked like Jesus Christ in a little pair of short shorts. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at this dude, and I'm like, man, I bet this guy's fast. He just looks fast. And sure enough, as soon as we started out, I might have had him in my eyesight for the first mile. But after that, he was totally gone. <laughs> I, I remember that. Because, yeah, I uh, I don't remember what the deal was, why I wasn't running earlier in the day. It might have sold out or something. I don't know. Um but, uh, but yeah, I was, I wanted to get to the front cause I didn't want to get bogged down, especially if I remember correctly, that one had a lot of single track to the woods and stuff. And I was like, yeah. man, I don't want to, you know, one, you know, if I'm running that late in the day, I'm not going to be that jerk that's like yelling at people to get out of my way. Right. But I also, I also want to do well. I'm a runner. So right. I like to, I like to fly through the woods. So yeah, I remember I, I got up near the front and <laughs> I know everybody's just always staring at me. I mean, for those who don't know, the background story is that. I'm a Marine, and we wear the little green silkies, we call them. Or some people call them Daisy Dukes of Freedom or Ranger Panties. Or oh, is that what that's about? I'd see, no, I didn't know that. I totally didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, those are uh, those are, those are what we wear in the Marine Corps. So, uh, like, a, a fellow Marine would have been like, he's a Marine, he's got the little green shorts on. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll usually <laughs> say Semper, Semper Fi or Oorah or Hey Devil Dog or something. Like, they know when they see them. So. <laughs> that's cool man that's cool well hey daniel tell us about uh uh the houston race this past weekend how was it okay well um as is becoming tradition the houston race was rainy and muddy um <laughs> this is the, the this was the second running of the houston sprint uh last year was just i mean a, a mess i mean it was just i remember it was my first race coming back from from injury and uh, I've been injured for about four months. Now, uh, I remember foot. that. You had, you had like a foot injury, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, my foot. I don't even know what I did to it, but it was just hurting really badly. And uh, like plantar fasciitis or something. Man, I, I really don't even know, but I heard it at a Spartan um, in uh, the Temecula Beast. Um, yeah. In, in September of 2015, and again, I didn't even feel like I heard it. It was just as the day went on, it started to hurt more and more. And then, of course, I ran sprint the next day i ran the battle fog the next weekend i ran ocr worlds i ran ragnar ultra like i just kept running on it and making it worse and worse because i'm smart like that yeah but, me um, too. but yeah so so then i finally took like four months off and i was like started training and i was like yeah i can't wait to start the season i'm gonna run this spartan race and it just it just rained and rained and rained and when we got there it was just this muddy mess and uh I remember the whole five-mile course, I think there was a section of like 100 meters that I got to run, like legitimately run, because it was just that sloppy, muddy. Damn. Um, and so, and cars were all stuck. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was just crazy. Um, and so, of course, this year, weather's been pretty nice, and then all of a sudden this week, it was just started raining. And it wasn't as bad, but um, but it was it was definitely, it was raining, it was muddy. Um but I mean, you want that a little bit. When a race is completely dry, it's kind of a letdown. When you finish the race, it doesn't even look like look like you did a a five k road race or something, you know? Yeah. So definitely. Um, so, so that was the that was the weather. Um, as far, but they were they were prepared this time. They had us all parking at the stadium. Um, they even had signs because VIP parking is on site, and that's for if you pay for it or if you're a volunteer or anything like that. And I was volunteering, and I came in that morning, and there were signs saying, "Hey, everybody, go to the stadium," because they didn't want people getting stuck. Right. So that was so right off the bat. That was good. Um, yeah. They had the buses going, and they were running pretty quick, so they were getting everybody there. Um, there was an issue at registration because uh, they rolled out a new system, so they don't have the bid wall anymore. You know, with the all the bids on the papers, all the numbers, and. Yeah, they just scan. The, they just scan like a barcode, don't they? Yeah, so it's actually it's a great idea. I mean, you can go up to any line, you know, and they just issue you your little chip, and they scan it, and it's like boom, now that one's assigned to you. Instead of finding your little your little envelope that has your name and your chip and everything, and now they don't have to do the packet stuffing, volunteers for hours and hours, and all that crazy stuff. So right, that was good. usually um, an, that was an easy volunteer shift. I did that one time. <laughs> It's monotonous, but it's totally easy. It usually only takes about, you know, three or four hours, depending on yeah, the race. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a, it was kind of a giveaway free race, you know, you only had to work a couple of hours just packet stuffing, you know, yeah. but, uh, so yeah, so your little, your little life hack is gone now, um, hmm. for your free race. But, uh, but the problem apparently with this new system, or at least because now they, they first were doing it was that the internet was down. I don't know if it's because of the weather or what. Oh, so, I bet that is so a problem. Then, yeah, so what they were having to do, I believe, um, is they were having to just basically like do like a manual thing, like write down the barcode and the person's name mm. so they could enter it in later. Um, you so, know, and that, might, that might not be a great idea because, man, I, I know half of the places you go when you do the Spartan race, you'll be like, oh, I don't have any phone signal. You know? Yeah, I don't. You know, and again, I'm not a techie guy, so I don't know if there's a workaround for that. If they can, yeah. You know, if there's like a hot spot that's big enough, or if they can do something with like a satellite an internet antenna link or, or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm about as grandpa as it gets when it comes to technology. So, yeah, me too. Um, you know, they're I'm sure that they're points us ahead of us on that one, but um, but I mean, it still works. It was just the fact that they're having to do that. And, and push everyone through as fast as they can so they can get that elite heat off. Well, it was also a short race. It was like 3.3 or 3.4 or something like that. It was the shortest sprint I've ever seen other than, you know, a stadium. So, right. um, they, uh, so everybody, you know, these, the elite winners were at like 29 minutes. So, I mean, they were through that thing smoking. quick. And um, if they happened to have been one of the ones who was manually written down, the result weren't showing up Uh-oh. so um you know i mean there and again it, it's not something where it's like oh no like we don't know who won i mean that's not a problem they were still able to do the podium because you know who crossed one two three i mean it's yeah. not, not 
rocket science, you know. But um, but as far as you know, people that instant gratification, you know, you finish your race, you, you get your banana, you go, hmm. you go pick your result, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. and we want it right now, you know. So um, but that was a little bit of a little bit of a cluster there as far as that. But I mean, from what I've seen, they've, with the exception of a couple people who have to, you know, um, have had to email or whatever, the results are up. I mean, it's, they fixed it. I mean, they got it all input in, you know, within like a day. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, kudos to them. I mean, they, they don't take that lightly. They, they know that we want our results and, uh, they take it very seriously. So, so that was good. Um, there was a, there was a new obstacle that was rolled out. It was, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's reminiscent, uh, for those who did battle frog, it, it, it reminded us of tip of the spear. Talking about the Olympus obstacle. The Olympus, correct. So, um, still, I, I still, I haven't read anything on the actual rules. I've heard some conflicting things of what people thought they were allowed to do, or what maybe the volunteer told them they were allowed to do. But basically, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty hard. You know, I don't know if it's maybe like sixty degrees or seventy degree angle. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a pretty, pretty hard angle, and. Um, it has chains, like very short chains, maybe maybe eight inch or ten inch chains. It also has little rock climbing grips um, that are plastic. They're honestly a little bit slick. I was I was I didn't use them because I was worried that my hands would slip because it was raining. And then there's also holes that are maybe maybe three to four, maybe four inches in diameter. And um, when I went through, I was told you can use any of those with your hands. You couldn't put your feet in the holes and the holes were up pretty high. I mean, it wasn't like you'd look at it and think like, Oh, my feet are going to go there. I mean, they were just below the chain. Yeah. I doubt you're supposed uh, to use your feet on them. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, that would come on, but um, some people did it and they were, it was one of the things where like, as soon as your toes go in that hole, they were like burpees and they were like, Oh no, I I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, but I pretty much just used the hole the whole way. I mean, they were, they were spaced, not so far apart that you couldn't do that. Um, I just, again, with the chains and the, and the plastic grips with the rain, I just didn't want to take the chance. Um, but, uh, but it was, that was, I think a lot of people were burping that. I mean, it definitely takes some upper body strength and, and some, um, some thought, you know, it's not one of those obstacles you can just run up to and like muscle through. You have to kind of think about your placement and, and body position and all that kind of stuff. So right. That now, was, now I, I, I like, Yeah. I saw a video that they posted, and they were actually, it was an open heat, and they were, they were filming people doing this obstacle, and I noticed that some of them would, you know, you know, they would grab the holds, and some would put their feet flat on it, and then there were some people that were putting their knees up against it, and then I just mm-hmm. seen one guy just totally use nothing but his arms, and he just kept his body pretty much straight. Which way did you do it? So, um, I used a similar method of, of what I used to do with tip of the spear, and that was basically my arms were kind of at a 90 degree angle, right? So, so I had my elbows and my forearms basically flat against the wood. Right. And then, um, and then I would use the ball of my feet, so the grip on the ball of my feet, uh, and my knees. So if you can picture, I was kind of like, almost looked like a, maybe like a frog or something. Like I was kind of in a crouching position and, um, just tried to kind of stay close because, you know, if you, if you, if you lay flat out on your stomach, you're having to basically do a pull up every time you transition to that next one. And that's going to kill you. I mean, that's, that's going to wear you out. And and to me, it looked like if you put your feet flat on it, it's almost like you're putting your weight against your arms, so it's almost kind of looks like you're trying to pull your arms away from it if you put your feet on it flat. So the way you're talking right, about right. doing it is the way I was thinking about doing it. Yeah, you want to, you know, the thing is you want to minimize the amount of weight you you have. A, it's kind of like with rock climbing, you know, you get in as close as you can to the wall, you know, so because the further you are away from the wall, that's more weight that's, that's pulling off. You kind of, you want to get as close as you can. Again, you know, the closest you could be would be flat on your stomach, but then you're putting a lot of requirement on your upper body to keep That's doing right. those pull-ups. So I think, I think personally, the best way is to get in as close as you can with your feet and knees, kind of be like in a squat, and then keep that 90-degree angle 
with your arms. It's kind of like the same thing with those, anytime you're doing those pegs, you yeah. know, uh, Conquer the Gauntlet has something like that with the, uh, I think they call it a Pegatron or something like that. You want to keep that 90 degree because once you drop down, you're, it's just really difficult once you straighten your arms out. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm going to Atlanta this weekend coming up, so I would be surprised if they have any of the new obstacles there because it just seems like they always have the new obstacles on the West Coast and not the East Coast. So oh, really? I'm, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm curious to I, see. I was, I was um, happy to see a new obstacle because it does feel like, you know, they they kind of they kind of always have the same obstacles, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. for the most part, there, there's a couple that they rotate in and out, but it, I hadn't really seen, like, new stuff you know so so I, I i liked that one i thought it was good and the monkey bars were um were pretty challenging i mean they were i felt like they were they were spaced out decently far and they were you know going from low to high you know like pretty good like i think a, a lot of people plus with the rain you know again that oh, just, yeah. that's the game changer the rain that is a game changer um, for sure and they and they ended it with um, I thought it was a rig as it came up to it, but it was actually just rain the whole way, um, which I, I hadn't personally uh, seen that um, at any of the races I had done. And they were you know plastic and it was raining, so a lot of people were slipping off right there before the finish. Oh, so, yeah. Did they have that uh, that big tire flip at this race? No, there were no tires. Uh, we didn't have a tire drag or a tire flip. Um, oh, wow. There was, they had, the, they had the sled, you know, where you pull it with the with the rope and then you have to drag it back. Oh, yeah, the plate, um, plate drag? Yeah, yeah, they did have that. But, yeah, there were no there were no tires at this one. Oh, okay. Well, cool. <clears throat> so, yeah. uh, did you have to do any burpees? I did. I, uh, right after, uh, so Olympus was about roughly maybe the mile mark, and right after Olympus was the spear. And, uh, you know, I was a little rusty, hadn't been practicing or anything, and I just, I missed it. It was a little bit low and to the right. A damn so, spear. <laughs> I know. I, uh, that was the only one, though. Everything else was good. Uh, I actually ran in the competitive wave, um, and at that point I was in, like, fourth place. And the other guys were, I mean, the other three were right in front of me. When I ran up to the spear, they hadn't even thrown their spears yet. Right. They all made it, and I missed it. Oh, man. And then I just, I just couldn't catch back up after that. Oh, so uh, I ended up, uh, well, again, the results aren't official right now. Uh, they still have, you know, like I said, onesies and twosies to get figured out. But right now it says that I got seventh overall in the competitive. So. Dude, that's awesome. And I, I seen your time. You were, uh, you know, like it was like forty-one minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was forty forty-one twenty-seven. There's a guy that got forty-one twenty-six. I mean, he was right there. I was. We were on the rings, and I didn't. I wanted to try and and pass him, but I was again. It was slippery and wet, and I was worried. I was like, I'm gonna sit here and try and beat this guy. I'm gonna slip off, and then twenty more are gonna pass me while I do my burpees. You know. Oh, that so, sounded like it was a photo finish. It, it, was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I didn't even jump over the fire. I pretty much just ran over the fire because I wanted to try to, try to catch know, not it. waste time, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, any time it rains, the race is going to be harder because everything is just <laughs> super wet. Yeah. Um. So let me ask you something, and um, I haven't really asked anybody else this. Like, what is your technique for when you take on the monkey bars, especially when they're wet? So my technique, uh, when I, I feel like it's kind of normal, but then when I tell people about it, they're like, oh, I should try that. So I guess maybe it's not as common as I feel like it would be, but my my style with almost every obstacle is that I'm like, I'm cautious. So I may take a few more seconds than someone else, but I'm also a runner, so I know I'm going to make it up on the run. Right. You know? Um, so, so with most things, like with monkey bars, I actually, I touch every bar twice. So I touch the bar with both hands. Right. So I go left, right, left, right, left, right. Like I don't swing, especially like that when it's wet. And especially with how these monkey bars are where, you know, it'll be low and the next one is high and I'm not, you know, a big muscle bound dude. So 
again, I don't want to sit there and have to do a pull-up every single time. So I just use my momentum. And I actually use a side-to-side momentum. So if you can imagine, I reach up with my left. And then when I reach up with my right, I kind of do like a pull-up with only my right arm on the first bar. Right. And so that way both hands are on there and I'm swinging to the right. So now as I pendulum to the left, I reach out. It gives me that extra height to grab that high bar with my left arm. And then as I swing to the right now, I put my right hand on it. And I just keep doing that. I keep swinging left and right, left and right. And it's just a very fluid motion. It's not as fast as the guys that are going, you know, basically straight forward and muscling through. Right. But I've also never fallen off the monkey bars. That kind of sounds like the same way I do it. And I kind of lift my leg up to kind of help the momentum from go side to side. But, mm-hmm. I, but I do that too. I, I, I'll i put both hands on every single bar. I do that same way too. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I'm very competitive and I want to, you know, do well. But and so I'm not saying that I don't take it seriously. But maybe if I was trying to get the podium and I was running elite and I was trying to get money then maybe I wouldn't be quite as cautious. <laughs> but, again, I also just, you know, that's another thing to think about in Spartan is, you know, like if I'm doing Conquer the Gauntlet and I and I go for it and I fall off, I can go right back and go through again, you know, because it's 100% obstacle completion. Yeah. With Spartan, you try and go too fast, you slip off, now all of a sudden you're doing 30 burpees and that, you know, wastes energy, wastes time. Yeah, and, so, and trying to so get up after people. doing 30 burpees and try to catch somebody's it's difficult because once you've done 30 burpees as fast as you can, you've just wasted a lot of gas. Yeah. And mentally, you're like, oh, like, because the whole rest of the race, you know, the whole next two, two and a half miles, every time I pass someone, I was like, oh, I should be in front of him. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm just passing all the people that I was already in front of, you know? So that's, it's just kind of mentally, you got to. It's a little frustrating. You got to put it out of your head and just just run. Yeah, and it's like you know. Well, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to have a perfect race today, and it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what what do you think was your best part about the race? Um, I, I think I think the running. I um. You know, last year, I was pretty much injured all year. I would I would start to feel better. I'd start running, and then I'd do a race, and then I'd run, and then, you know, all of a sudden, my foot would start bothering me again. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of this nagging thing where I wasn't full-on injured with, like, a broken foot, but I couldn't really train enough because of my foot. So I finally took some time off. You know, I took the whole month of November and December off, and uh, I got some... I uh, went to the VA and got some custom insoles, um, like really nice ones that are molded to my foot and everything. And because I have a really high arch, so they said I needed arch support. And so, um, you know, just took those two months off, started using the insoles. And this year, I've been actually going out doing a track speed workout uh, once a week and trying to get some long runs in. And I did a 5K race, did a 10K race. So, been doing a lot of going back to my roots of being, you know, a runner. And uh, so it felt good. You know, I was out there. I wasn't I wasn't gassed right away on the run, uh, kind of how I was feeling all last year. And so when you feel strong on the run, you feel better on the obstacles, you know, because, you know, that was always my advantage before was that I'd get to the obstacle and I wouldn't be tired from the run because right. I was strong in the run. So, uh, so I think that helped me, you know, getting through those obstacles. Um, even things like Atlas carry and stuff like, again, I'm not a big, strong guy. So if I'm already tired from the run and then I get to the Atlas, it's going to seem really difficult. So, yeah, I'm that guy that gets to the obstacle and I take a couple of deep breaths before I even start it. (laughs) 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 Unless it's the barbed wire. I like the barbed wire because you lay down on the ground. Okay, yeah, there, was a, a, there, was a, there was a pretty long stretch of barbed wire. It was, it was pretty good. I know they're getting uh, where they are really starting to use their buy, spend a lot of money on barbed wire, I've noticed. <laughs> 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 well, you know, and this was in Texas, so we got plenty of it, you know. Yeah. I just wonder if there's like a hardware store wondering, what are y'all doing with all this barbed wire? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, you already told us that you uh, you missed the spear, so I asked you what was your best part about the race. What was your worst part about the race? Was it pretty much missing the spear? I think so. I mean, um, you know, that obviously that was, well, I guess missing the spear sucks, but also, like, I, I don't ever, I hate burpees. I mean, I know everyone says they hate burpees, but I really do. Like, I, I don't ever do them. I've actually, there's that 100 burpees, 100 days, 100 burpees group. If, uh, how well you're familiar with that, but yeah. you know they just think you know they do 100 burpees every day for 100 days. Yeah, I have never in my life ever done 100 <laughs> burpees in one day. I mean, ever. And there was it was even a joke. Like they added me to that group just as a joke, and I was <laughs> saying how much you know I did not like burpees. And this one girl was like, "Why are you even in this group?" I was like, "So that I can speak out against burpees." Like, I don't know. It's a protest. It's a protest. <laughs> There was even a race where, it was actually the Houston race last year, my first race back, like I said, and it was super muddy, and I was exhausted. I failed three obstacles, so that was 90, Ooh. and then we had the Atlas, so that was 95, <laughs> and I, I still did not get 100 burpees that day, because I was like, no, I refuse. Like, I'd only have to do five burpees right now, and I have, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. So, um, it probably took me a good, it had to have taken me three to four minutes do those burpees which is just an eternity um when you're gassed you i know, would say that's probably about average you know yeah but it, i mean when you see it, people you know banging out their burpees in like a minute or a minute and a half i mean they're doing like a burpee every two to three seconds you know um yeah so so maybe i should work on them you know <laughs> why not just tell everybody that i don't practice burpees because i don't plan on doing any of them <laughs> well, you know, in uh, in 2015, I think I did like, it was, I think it was 2015. I did 16 races, and I only uh, did 60 burpees that year. Whoa, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. I missed. I think I missed the spear once, and I slipped off the traverse wall once that whole season. I know that one obstacle they got rid of, where you used to kind of Tarzan swing across a little big puddle you know that might have been like knee deep yeah they got rid of that obstacle but i know out of the four races i did that obstacle at i only did it once that was that one was tough for me especially in atlanta because it was caked with mud in atlanta yeah yeah it really depends on kind of where you get the you know how high you can get up on the rope for the swing, and but then you don't want to get up too high because then it doesn't give you enough swing. You know, definitely, and like you said, depending on you know what the what the conditions of the ground are like and all of that. So um, that was a, yeah, they didn't have the Z wall. I don't know if it just wasn't at this race or if it. You know, hmm. I don't I don't follow a lot of the um, the talk on you know oh this has been done away with or this is new or whatever. I just kind of sometimes I like to just be surprised to go out there and I'm like oh what is this obstacle so. But um, but yeah, there was no there was no Z wall. That'd be a surprise if they got rid of that. Yeah, I mean that's a. You know, I, I, I mean, wonder if that's I mean, one of those things where Olympus has took its place. Yeah, I don't know um, because you figure they're probably having to build just about as much, you know, making Olympus probably as they do during the, the Z wall. Right. Um. So yeah, I wonder if that would have would have taken its place. There was, you know, obviously there was the. Uh, Sandbag and the and the the bucket. Of course, um, they're both. It's you know Houston's very flat. I mean they were just out and back, very flat, uh, pretty pretty easy, um, as compared to a lot of the times when the bucket and the sandbag are up and down hills and or mountains. Did they have that new style sandbag? Uh, no, it was still they. Well, they actually they had the pancakes, and then they had. I think that maybe it might have been an issue they didn't have enough pancakes because they also had like. Something that almost looked like like clear garbage bags that were like had some duct tape around them or something. I think that it was maybe just in case they didn't want people standing around waiting for a, for a yeah. sandbag. You know, you never, you never want that. So, I think I know which ones think, you're talking about. I think that might have been been why they had those. So uh, let me ask you because I've I've never asked nobody this either. Trying to get a little bit more in detail to kind of give more tips to people that might be listening and all. So when you do your bucket carry, how how do you carry it or do you I mean or do you change up grips through the carry? So 
Yeah, so I mean, with this one being flat, my my go to is kind of a bear hug, but with my my hands both like in the middle of the front, essentially like you know where my waist, uh, like where my waist would be. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of like makes like if you're looking at me from the front, it would be like a V with my arms with my hands kind of together at the bottom. So um, you actually put your fingers underneath the bottom of the bucket when you're carrying it. I do. I do. I come around from the front, you know, so you can see the back of my hand at the bottom and then my fingers are underneath. Now, sometimes what I'll do so that I don't destroy my grip is I'll, uh, maybe I'll have one of them doing that and the other one will be kind of wrapped around my hand and then I'll kind of switch maybe halfway. Um, a lot of times it just depends, like, especially if I know there's going to be something like if the rig is right after it or, you know, maybe maybe the the rope or something is right after it. Um, I try and you know preserve my grip strength a little bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, uh, what how, what what style do you close the do you climb the rope with? You all hands? You J hook it? Um, I, I I think it's the J hook. It's where you know you you I kind of like I put the rope between. It's directly when I walk up, the rope's directly between my legs. Right. And then I kind of. You know, I bring my my heel towards my other leg, and then wrap my like the ball of my foot around the back of it of yeah. the rope. Yeah, that sounds and like then a J-hook. I step down, step down on it. I think that's the the, the J hook um, or S hook or whatever it is. Um, I do that uh, to ensure that I don't you know gas my arms out. Now, if the rope is say say the rope is the very last obstacle, I'm probably going to try and go just arms or at least. Part of the way. You know, uh, as much as I can, and then maybe use, like, a little S-hook, which is quicker, you know, than, than the J-hook, um, just to get up there. But with, in this scenario, we had just done the Hercules hoist, then we did the rope, and then we had the rings. Um, so I didn't want to completely uh, wear my arms out going up that rope and then go to the rings. So, um, so yeah, I did the, I did the J-hook. Yeah, um, I definitely would have and, wrapped and, up after the Hercules hoist going to it. Yeah. Um, and the, even though, even with the rain, the, the Hercules didn't, didn't feel that bad. I mean, there's times where, you know, when it's raining, those things feel like they weigh like 200 pounds. Um, they really do. But it, 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 it seemed fine. I don't know if they were, if they were waterproofed inside, you know, so the sand didn't just absorb all the, uh, all the water or, or what the deal was, but it was, it was definitely doable. And I, I wonder too, you know, and this is just theory, me and a buddy of mine was talking about, you know, if it just slam pours down raining, that rope is going to, you know, soak up the water and kind of swell a little bit. So then it's might be more drag coming through the pulley too, because it's a little swollen. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, especially, uh, these were the black ropes that, um, and they're not, they're like more like, you know, like the braided kind, but they weren't real thick. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, as I was coming up to it, I was, I was even thinking that I was like, those ropes don't look real thick. It's raining. The stuff's probably going to be heavy. I was, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to burpee, but I was thinking this might not be easy. Um, but it was huh. actually surprising. Like it was, it was fine. And, um, and then even the rope climb, uh, again, I went competitive. So there had only been elite men and elite women coming through there before me. Um, and, you know, it's not over water like it used to be back in the day, so the, the ropes aren't all muddy. But um, even even wet, they weren't bad. They had good grip. You know, it felt it felt pretty good. So That's cool. Yeah, I miss them not having the water underneath the rope anymore. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all those things. Yeah. It definitely made it harder, but... In another sense, if you were already covered in mud and you got in the water, it kept, I mean, the rope might have been wet, but, you know, it didn't have as much mud on it because, you know, you was... You rinsed off. You was rinsing off. That's right. Right. All right, man. Uh, So, what is your, like, you know you got a race coming up. Like, what do you do, like, the day before the race or, like, the morning right before the race like what is your race ritual to make you conquer so um work 
working out wise, I mean, I don't, I don't go to the gym anyway. I mean, I, I do like kind of like the marine calisthenic stuff. Like I do push ups, mountain climbers, pull ups, all that kind of stuff. So, so I definitely, you know, I'm not going to the gym and doing like crazy workout the day before. Typically, I'll, I'll jog maybe like two miles in the morning just to kind of loosen my legs up a little bit and kind of work out any stiffness or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely don't go do a workout or do a long run or, do anything crazy um i think from now on i might practice the spear the day before. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um as far as nutrition i just eat carbs like all day even so, before sprint I, oh man i if you told me i was doing a 1k kids run i'd probably <laughs> eat carbs all day i just and i love carbs that's an excuse right there yeah, <laughs> pizza so, time got a 1k race tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, uh, I love cereal. I eat cereal almost every day for breakfast. Um, my typical thing is I try and I eat cereal for breakfast. I might have some carbs at lunch, and then I try to not really do carbs the rest of the day. Right. That's kind of my nutrition plan. But on the day before a race, it's all day. So it's cereal for breakfast. I'll have you know French bread with my lunch. For dinner, I'll have um, spaghetti and mac and cheese, or I'll have pizza. Um, yeah, I just... I just totally carb up. Um, Hell yeah, that's before. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't I don't do much meat um, the day before a race either. Like if I get a pizza, it's the cheese pizza. Like really? I don't I don't really like to do like greasy um, I mean I don't do much beef or pork anyway in general. I mostly do uh, lean turkey, chicken, fish, stuff like that. Yeah. But um but yeah, I just I just don't really for one, I don't have an appetite. For, for meat the night before, I guess my body just kind of craves the carbs. Yeah. Um, and then also, it's just one of those things. I'm one of those people with like race morning. I'm going to the restroom like five times. Yeah, me too. Um, so I don't need um, to eat a bunch of greasy meat <laughs> to, to to add to that issue. So um, so yeah, that's kind of my and I like to I like sleep. I know some people operate on like four or five hours of sleep a night. I like to get like eight or nine hours a night. Yeah. So. The night before a race, I definitely like to make sure I get a good amount of sleep. Right. So, what like do you do anything like the morning of? Like, well, what you eat for breakfast the morning before a race? So it's it's weird. I it it's almost hard for me to eat that morning. I think a lot of it's nerves, um, but I also know that I need some type of you know fuel. So my kind of go to is I eat a banana. Um, you know that's good. You know you know, to, for helping with the cramping and things like that, uh, you know, potassium. Um, I usually do a banana and I try and maybe do like a bagel um, or like some Pop-Tarts or something like that, something that's kind of easy to easy to take down. Um, and then what I'll do is maybe like an hour before, I usually arrive at the race about an hour before I'm going to run. Right. Um, I'll do one of those little, I like the Stinger waffles. Oh, I love those things. They're awesome. Yeah, those are, those are really good. Um, you know, a lot of people have have issues with the consistency of goo. They don't like it. Mm. Well, um, I love the honey stinger gels, man. Anything that's got honey in it, I'm down. <laughs> I haven't had those. I've had the honey stinger waffles, and I've had the chews. Yeah, the chews um, are really good, too. Yeah, but uh, I haven't had the, the jelly. I'll have to try that. Yeah, um, they've, they've got some that's got... They've got one called Gin Sting. And it's got ginseng in it, and it's got caffeine in it, and it pretty much is just honey flavored, and it is delicious. That's you, pretty clever. It's called Gin Sting, like yeah, a bee. Yeah, yeah. I like. I'm gonna try it just because that's clever. I, I like that marketing. Yeah, but they're pretty good. I I've I, I bought a whole box of those. I love them. Okay. Yeah, but so so about an hour before, I'll do like one of those waffles, and then I'll um I'll uh. You know, I'll start, I'll go for like a little jog, like I like to jog maybe like a half mile or maybe a mile, um, just to, uh, you know, get loosened up. And then maybe 10 minutes before I do a goo and then I have a, a goo, um, with me for about halfway through the race. Hidden in your green um, silk shorts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... We, we, we already know that, uh, you know, a gear you swear by is the green shorts. What kind of shoes you sporting when you go and run? 
being being a former Spartan employee, I I used to use the Reebok um, Spartan shoes. Um, I've never really been one to spend a lot of money on shoes. Um, you know, it's just I'm kind of just cheap uh, by nature, and me, then me I also too. just don't, don't. I also just don't have a lot of money <laughs> yeah. to be spending like you know 150 dollars on shoes. Um, so, but um, you know, I was having issues with the durability, which I know a lot of people were. So I loved the shoes, but it seemed like you know, like they were tearing on the side, and uh, and so so um, this last year, uh, Icebug had like a closeout sale where they marked their shoes down and then Mud Run Guide had a, had a thing where you'd get 50% off if you use their code. And so I ended up getting three pair of ice bugs for like 120 bucks total. Yeah, I bought a pair for them when they, did, when they had that special going on too. Yeah, I just went ahead and got three because I was <laughs> like, why not? Um, you know, $40 for a pair of shoes when they're normally, God, what, like 150 each or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, I got three, and the ones that so I've only been using one pair. I'm, I've got the other two just you know sitting waiting in case I need them, or I might rotate them out or whatever. But um, I've got the uh, the Acceleritas. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I like them so far. I, in fact, I even use them um when I'm doing my track workout um because it's almost kind of like wearing spikes, you know, because they got the little the knobby knobby tread on them, and. Uh, Huh. Yeah, so they've been they've been good for me. I even used them. Um, I did a five k like a in Houston a, a road race, and I I wore those like on the on the street. It was fine. Wow, um, they're super light and got a really sticky sole. They really do. Yeah, and I mean for me, I mean they feel like they have enough cushion too. You know, I mean it's they're not. Yeah, they're light, but they're not so minimalist that you take them off and you're like, God, my feet are killing me. You know, right? So. I think that it's because, you know, like you said, that sole is kind of when you when you push on it from the outside, it's kind of rubbery. It's not yeah. like, you know, like a hard plastic, you know, sole or anything. Yeah, it's definitely a it's it's definitely got a pretty sticky sole for sure. Um, hey, uh, you were talking about your speed work, like when you go to the track. What what does your speed work training consist of? So um, I basically just use. Uh, the stuff that I remember that we did when I was in high school. Um, so I went, I'm going to give a shout out to my high school cross country team. I, I ran for the Woodlands High School back in, uh, from 90, 1997 to 2000. Yeah. And uh, our coach, Coach Dan Green, he was actually uh, the, the winner of the first Houston Marathon back in the 70s. And um, guy knows his stuff. He's actually uh, trains uh, uh, it's TGR, Team Green Running. He mm-hmm. trains like the Olymp- the Olympic hopefuls uh, wow. for the U.S. So um, we were, I mean, we were we were so good that we were sponsored by Adidas in high school. Oh wow! Our uh, our cross country team. So all we all had Adidas spikes, Adidas warm ups, Adidas uniforms, like everything. So um, give you an idea. In high school, I ran a four thirty mile. Wow! And I was tenth best on our team. I didn't even make varsity. Dang! So. It was, <laughs> it was cool that we had really good program, but it sucked that I was like, had to sit in the stands. <laughs> that's a super fast mile, man. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my best friend, he was our best runner. He ran a four oh nine. Wow. So it was it was it was pretty competitive. But um but some of the workouts that I do that I remember we did and, and again I'm doing a much lesser version. I'm gonna be working up to trying to get to what we were doing then. But um, what I'll do is I'll go to the track, you know, I'll, I'll jog like a mile warm up, and then I do a mile. So the one I did two weeks ago, I did a mile. I, I was shooting for six minutes, and I ran a, a five forty seven. I was a little bit excited, so I went a little faster. Right. Um, and then I just jogged half mile, and then I had to do another one. And so again, I was trying to go for six minutes, and I got five fifty two. Wow. So um, that was that was the workout. But in high school. We would do, we would do them. We call them mile repeat. We'd do five of them, and we'd only get one lap jog in between each one, and we would have to do them in five, like five twenty each. So, obviously, I'm doing a, a much scaled down version, <laughs> like 
less than half of the number of them and also slower. But um, it's still a good workout. Like though. that, you know. Well, uh, I'll do uh, I'll do eight hundred repeats, you know, so half miles where I do I do a half mile and then I jog a lap. Then I do a half mile and jog a lap and do like four of those. Um, another one I just did a few weeks ago is we called it two hundred two hundred. So you basically run a half lap and you go right into jogging the other half of the lap and you go right into running the other half and you just keep doing that. Um, so there's, it's, it's very little recovery and, um, and I'm not a sprinter. I'm not a speed guy. So those workouts are always the hardest. The ones where you have to run really fast for a really short amount of time. Oh but, yeah. You've got a four minute mile. You're definitely not a sprinter for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for instance, my, my quarter mile in high school was 56 seconds, and we had guys that could run like 47. So there's a, that's a big pretty difference. big difference. <laughs> yeah. so, well, uh, well, and, a sprinter, and a sprinter, a true sprinter will tell you that a mile is not a sprinter. <laughs> I think a mile is a marathon. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, they're all about that 200, aren't they? Or is it 100? Yeah. 100? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Daniel, what's your next big race, man? Um. So, actually, in two weeks, uh, actually, well, next Tuesday, I'm I'm flying out to LA, spend a few days out there, and then I'm doing the uh, toughest mutter, the eight hour one they're introducing this year. Oh yeah, that ought to be cool. Yeah, I uh, I've never done even a regular tough mutter, so of course I figured why not do the eight hour. See, I've never done one either, but they're bringing that eight-hour one here to Atlanta, too. But I'm going to be at the New Jersey B, so I'm going to miss it. But me and some buddies were really, really wanting to do it. Are they going to do it at night in, over there, too? Yeah. It's actually um, from midnight to 8 a.m. Yeah. That ought to be a cool That ought to be a cool <laughs> run. Yeah. I actually um, I was a crew for my buddy Ross Smith um, for World's Toughest Mudder last, last November. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of my first experience of tough mutter and i was like man this is awesome and so at the brunch the next day they they announced this whole toughest mutter thing and i was like oh yeah i'm doing that for sure yeah. so i mean when i did when i did battle frog extreme you know it was like seven hours so i'm like oh, that's close so yeah yeah i don't know if i could handle 24 hours of running it'd probably be like maybe six hours of running and the rest would be walking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's another thing. That's why I figured, okay, this is a good, you know, baby step. Yeah, definitely. Baby doing all this stuff is, so. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. You know, do the eight-hour one, and that's just a good test to see if you could do, you know, world's toughest. And you're getting the worst of it because it's all at night. So you're experienced, like, the, the worst segment of world's toughest mutter in a small dose. Right, right. Because I was like, man, I was like, of course they couldn't make it from like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's good, though. I mean, yeah, like you said, you get that get that bad part out of the way and give yourself that mental mental strength to know that you can do it again. I have no clue what the temperatures are at in California. Is it going to be cold when you do that race? Man, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, because it's at night and it's not... I mean, they're calling it, like, L.A. or whatever, but it's really San Bernardino, which is, like, the desert. Yeah. So, you know, just like World's Toughest, where in the middle of the night it gets really cold. That's, that's going to be a disadvantage is that I don't own a wetsuit. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm damn sure not going to go buy one. So oh. I either need to, to get a friend to hook me up or, you know, find something on, on Craigslist or something. I don't know, but... Also, but again, it's also, it's only eight hours, so I think I might be okay with maybe a rash guard or something, or maybe someone's listening to this and they're laughing because they know that I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a fun race, though. I don't know, you might be all right with just some thermal compression, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, As long as you stay out. moving. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> yep. Well, Daniel, man, we're getting close to an hour here, man. I don't want to hold you up anymore. But, uh, man, I really appreciate you uh, talking to us today. Uh, uh, you want to, you know, let anybody know where they can find you or anything about 37s? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing we didn't touch on was uh, was that I have Instagram. I know a lot of the, 
people are into Instagram. It's, I actually, I was begrudgingly like held out forever, and then I finally got one, and I actually am glad I did because it's, as far as people wanting to see my work, it's just so streamlined. Yeah, it's not like Facebook where you have to scroll through everything. I mean, it's just all right there. It's all pictures. So um, that's actually really nice. So my Instagram how long, um, but it's it's thirty sevens, and for those who don't know, you spell out the number thirty, so it's T H I R T Y, then it's the number seven, and then the letter S. Um, as far as my Instagram, they can find it through my name, um, but it's thirty sevens underscore custom underscore apparel. So, um, and then same thing with Facebook, they can just search thirty seven uh, from a business page. And uh, and then my regular Facebook as well. They can they can friend me on there. So, hey man, I got some work I'm going to send to you too. I've got a hooded sweatshirt that uh, I got from Spartan. It's a really nice one, and it needs some extra stuff on it. Oh yeah, we'll get it set up. Maybe we can uh, if if this podcast gets going, maybe we can make you one that's got. We can get you a shirt made or something and put that on a hoodie and and yeah, make you uh, and you'll stand out. You'll be a celebrity at the races when people see it. Yeah, right. Nobody's listening to this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and you talking. It's, no, just, it's just me and you talking. I'm not recording this. <laughs> it's all in, our, in my head, man. No, but that was one thing I wanted to ask you. You you call your company or your your little th- your business, you call it 37s. How did you come up with the name 37s? So, so it's, it's 37, like, and people, that's another thing. People was like, is that? plural or is that like is that 30 of the number seven or is that like what is that and so so i'm kind of a math nerd um i've always loved math i've always been pretty good with numbers and and stuff like that um and so when i was a kid i used to watch cartoons like most kids and uh if you remember schoolhouse rock would come on in between cartoons and um one of the schoolhouse rocks, and my favorite one was three is the magic number. So, um, you know, I loved that one. And so three kind of became my number. And then, you know, as time went on, I was like, as I got a little older, I was like, well, I mean, to say three is my favorite number, that's not very unique. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people could say three is their favorite number, you know? So I just kind of got the idea that three is the magic number, seven is the lucky number. So 37 became kind of my number. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen that Jim Carrey movie, the number 23, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like that. Like I see the number everywhere and I know, I know there's something to be said about people saying like, well, that's who you're looking for. But I mean, my <laughs> friends that know me that hang around me and stuff, they will tell you, they're like, we'll be watching the movie and it comes up, you know, we'll be over here. That's our exit. Like, I mean, it, it comes up a lot. There's a lot of cool things about the number. Again, I'm kind of a math nerd, but, um, you know, our our typical core temperature of 98.6, that's actually 37 degrees Celsius. Um, there's a, if you Wikipedia 37, it says that it's the most common random number. So if you polled a thousand people and told them to give you a two-digit number, the majority or the most would say 37. So there's there's some cool things about the number and, and it's just uh, it's just my little nerdiness that, that likes that number. So. I never would have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you talking to us, Daniel. And you gave us a lot of really great tips on running races and all, too. And hopefully some people will check out your website and maybe get some stuff ordered. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, anytime, I mean, not that people want to hear me talk more than once, but anytime you need somebody, uh, you know, I plan on doing uh, quite a few races this year. And, and uh, like I said, I'm doing some com- mostly competitive. I'm doing a few elite and uh, really kind of taking it serious this year. And, you know, uh, love, you know, like we were saying when we were talking earlier, you know, I love meeting people and, just, you know, that's part of the reason I like doing the selling stuff because it helps me to meet people at the races and everything. So, by all means, if uh, people see me at the race, come say hi, and and uh, I look forward to it. Cool, man. Hey, and make sure you post some stuff on that toughest mutter for us. We want to see oh, it. Oh, absolutely. All right, man. Hey, we appreciate it, Daniel. We'll talk to you later. All right. You take care, man. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, 
I want to thank Daniel again for talking to us. Uh, and if you would, check out his website, 37's Custom Apparel. And uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, if you feel generous, uh, leave us a feedback on iTunes. Thanks for listening, guys. See you at the next race. Peace! Peace!